Sunday night service. How's it going? <laughs> Woo! Um, man, it, that was so fun. Um, real story, though, me and Cody, his name's Cody, he's not Justin, uh, we actually get mixed up quite often on the patio. A lot of people come up to him and ask him about student ministry stuff, and he gives them wrong answers all the time. And then people, when he's up here on stage and singing, they say, like, you did such a great job up there. I'm like, thank you. Um, <laughs> So it's just, that's a real, it's a real bit. It's really fun. Um, but guys, how are you guys doing? You guys good? Yes? Sunday night? Awesome. Love it. Uh, by far the best service at CCV, right? Wouldn't you say so that about yourself? I would say that. Um, if you're watching online, we're just so, so glad that you're here with this as well. Like, I, I, I do love uh, this series that we've been going through called Unreality and what we've been doing. Uh, we've been looking at the Bible and taking some of the stories that have been, uh, that are in the Bible and comparing them to the kind of reality TV shows because there's some stuff when you read scripture and you, when you are in it, you're kind of going like, you kind of end up scratching your head going, man, is this, like, is this real? Like, I can't, like, is some of the stuff that we're reading in here, is this like a, this is real, this has really happened. And it kind of reminds us of, of uh, some really bad reality TV or some really good reality TV, depends on your taste in TV shows. Um, but here's the cool thing about it is that we can learn that even though that we're, the Bible is not about how awesome people are, right? It's not about how awesome we are as people. It's about how awesome our God is. And what we do, and we, when we're able to, to look at at Scripture, we are able to look at how God, how gracious He is, and we get to see some of His characteristics and His nature on how He deals with us as really messed up people. So tonight, I want to talk about this old show, and I don't know, I don't even know really if it's on still, but please tell me if you've seen this because it is fantastic TV, and it's this show, it's called Cheaters, right? You guys, do you guys remember this show? It's like there's something so fascinating about this show. Like I can see why it's such a draw because like I, I don't know about you. I've been cheated on in high school and in college. Like I was in relationships that didn't end well. And it ended in a cheating thing. And all I wanted to know was like, man, who did it and when? Like how can I not see, right? Because I remember this one time, a little intimate into my life. Um, I was dating this girl and on a date on the way home, she revealed to me that I was the other guy. And um, that's not fun. Um, so I remember I stopped over on the side of the road uh, on the car side while she explained to me uh, all, and what she was going through her head. And uh, what I did when she was done is I leaned over and she thought I was going to lean over to kind of give her a hug and forgive her. And what I ended up doing was I leaned over and I unbuckled her seatbelt and opened the door and said, get out of my car. Um, and she was like, what? And I was like, no, get out of my car and call your other boyfriend to come get you. And I drove off. Now, no, no, I'm not gonna lie to you. In that moment, it was the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, because I never felt more cool in my entire life. But I was 19, it was the wrong time. Hurt people, hurt people. We get on, we move, we move past it. See, but here's the deal, don't judge me, by the way, Sunday night service. Like, you would do the same, okay? 
See, I get why this TV show would be interesting because this show, like, it has people, like, if, you don't, if you've never seen it before, the premise of it is that basically people wrote into this show, into the host and, uh, of their suspecting cheating spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, and what they would do is that they would investigate this thing, and they would go stake them out, and they would follow them and see if they're really cheating or not, and what happens is most of the time, they were, and what they would do at the most opportune moment, or for that other person, the most inopportune moment, they would go and literally bust into the hotel, bust into the restaurant, bust into the whatever, and literally expose the cheating spouse for all to see on national television. It was like all their dirty laundry is right there for everyone to see, out and about, and everyone is just in on what it is that they're doing. You could see why it got a little bit crazy. Even back in the day, I was looking at some research, the original host got stabbed in one of the, in one of the interactions, like kind of crazy deal. See, but the whole premise of this entire show was to, to expose someone in their sin. It's to bring it out into the open. It's to literally take someone and say, this is what you're doing. Now let's exploit it for everyone to see and for everyone to look and point and judge and say like, hey, that is wrong, that is wrong. And really it's, it's as if it's like the punishment, the epitome of embarrassment. In reality, like the entire show, was, it was very, very sad. And when we were thinking about this series and I was thinking about, man, what message can I tie into some sort of reality TV show? Like, man, it just kind of got me thinking about people People really, some people really do believe that that is how Jesus' followers operate. That they really do believe that, that people are there to point out the wrong in each other's lives, to, to drag it out and to say, look what you did to make themselves feel better. And, and even if we're really honest with each other, if we're really honest with each other, some of us in this room that probably imagine or have grew up thinking or might even still think today that this is how God operates, that we don't bring him our mess. We don't bring him the stuff that is deep down inside. We don't bring him the thing that is literally eating us from the inside out because we believe that our God is one who wants to just expose us and tell us all the things that we've done wrong. And that we'll be, li we'll be living in... in in guilt, and in shame. And the thing is that I, I kind of was looking at tonight with this message and the passage that we're going to be going through is, I think that's just the epitome of, of what the difference between religion and Jesus. Because in reality, he does just the opposite of what this whole show does. He just is just the opposite of what, what many people really do believe about God. Like a lot of people, when they think about religion, when they think that they think it's just all about restriction, they think it's all about it's a person who cannot do anything, you can't have fun, you can't go to the party, you can't drink, can't smoke, can't dance, mostly because you can't. But the other part is because you just really don't want to or you don't like it or whatever it is. But we, there's a list of things that you can and cannot do. You think that you have to be this boring person and think that this, that this is what religion is. So therefore, this is what Jesus is all about. And if you're one of those people that think that Jesus and religion are the same thing, I'm here to let you know that, man, that they are very, very different. 
And for those of you who think that Jesus is all about the restrictions and the rules and the regulations, that it's all about that you have to go to the right church and say the right prayers and read the Bible at the right time, the right passages, that during the, the fast songs you could sing and you could jump and raise your hands higher because the higher you raise your hands, the more closer you feel to God. And then during the slower songs, you, the, you, you get to have to look, have this really constipated look on your face like you're deep in thought because it means that you're really reflecting about your life and your soul. And you think you have to do all these certain things. It's about, you have to say amen when the preacher preaches. You have to say the right things, do the right things. And man, a lot of people think that that's what Jesus is all about. But I'm just letting you know it's different. He's different. And I'm passionate about this because I know that there's so many people in our valley, so many people that we get to interact, or interact with that they will never give Jesus a chance because they hear religion and they compare it to Jesus and they think it's the exact same thing. But man, it's so different. But there's some people that if they, they really do believe that if they were to step foot in a church, they think that they would be outed for all the wrong things that they've done in their life. They would be dragged in front of on the stage and be pointed at and said, this is wrong, this is wrong. God would strike them down and down. And man, if that's you, I'm just here to let you know that that, that ain't Jesus. That's not what he's about. That's why for the rest of tonight, I, 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 wanna, I want us to distinguish between these two things, this thing that we call religion and Jesus, because I want to put them up and, and compare them and I want to read this story from the Bible that really, if this was, if this was, uh, if Cheaters was a show 2,000 years ago, this would have been the most watched show. This would have been the most watched episode because of the interaction between this woman and Jesus. And it's a story that if you've been around church, you've heard it, you've seen it, you've read it probably. And what people don't realize is that, that this whole purpose was to find and distinguish at that time that separated Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious supreme. And it shows that they are so different. That the, it's a woman who was caught in the middle, literally exposed, just like that reality TV show, that they, that they rushed her out into this crowd. They pointed out her sins. And Jesus has this amazing, famous interaction with her. And my hope is that when we read it, that you don't just think of it as a story that was written 2,000 years ago, but you look at this as a story of like, man, that's me. That we get to relate to this, that this is us on a daily basis. When we read this story and we really look at it, we, we don't look at it as just, okay, it's another Bible story that I heard before, but this is a story in which, man, this, I could relate to this so much. And it's a story found in John chapter 8. So if you want to turn there, if you want to follow along, the verse is going to be up on the screen. It's starting in verse 2. And this is what it says. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And he said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? 
They were using this question as a trap in order to, to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus, he bent down and started to, to write in the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away at one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left and with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. See, I love this story. I do. Because I see, I see myself in this story. I think about my own life and I go, man, how many times have I been Busted. How many times have I been caught in something? How many times have I misguided or, or have fallen short with my words, with my actions, with my thoughts, with how I treated people, with how I treated my wife, with, how, with what words I've taught to you? How, what are the, look at all the things in my life and I could say, man, this, this woman, I know what she feels like because I am that person. This woman literally was dragged out. It says caught in the act, meaning that she was in the act of adultery. She was literally probably dragged out of a room, be brought in front of a group of this probably size and say, look at what she has done. Probably barely clothed or even just plain naked. Exposed for everyone to see what she's done. There's this picture me, you, all of us who fall short of God's glory, standing between the law keepers, the, the commandment yellers, the finger pointers, and then on the other side of this woman, you got Jesus. What a picture! What a story! Can you feel the tension that is happening? Here you begin to see this beautiful comparison unfold in front of your eyes. She's exposed, dirty, caught, and religion does what it does sometimes best, that it points fingers. Religion first and foremost points out our dirt. Like, have you ever experienced this before? Have you ever experienced someone doing this to you? You're, you're dirty. You're, you're not good enough. God's perfect. You're for sure not. Christians do this, this, and this. You do that, that, and that. You don't listen to the right music. You don't say the right things. You don't dress the right way. You don't look the part. Like, how could God possibly love you? Religion loves to point out the dirt. Religion feels superior. Religion feels special when it pushes other people down, and some people really love that feeling. But Jesus doesn't point out our dirt. Do you know what Jesus does instead? When we look at the story, Jesus, he doesn't only point out our dirt. Jesus says that he stoops down and he gets into the dirt. 
Jesus doesn't only point out our dirt, but Jesus, he gets into the dirt. He gets his knees dirty for you and I. That he would get into the dirt because this is what Jesus does. Like, here's a woman exposed. Here's you. Here's me. We're exposed. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't go and point at us and say, look at you. Look at all the things that you have done wrong. No. What does he do? He gets his knees dirty and he gets into the dirt. Guys, this is the gospel. This is, this is if Jesus could be explained in one interaction, I think it's this one is that he got his knees dirty, he gets into the dirt. That Jesus loves us so much that he would get into the dirt. Where religion says you have to clean yourself up before you get to God. Jesus says, no, 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 no. God loves you so much that he sent his son to get into the dirt, to get into the grave, to give you life. That's how loved we are. That's how loved you are. That Jesus gets in to the I mean, can you just grab, can you just take a moment? Like, I know if you've been around church, you've heard this story. Can we just take a moment and grab, like, kind of wrap your mind about that particular sentence? That Jesus got into the dirt. God, the creator of everything, the cosmic boss, the Alpha and the Omega, the one that knows every hair on your head, the one that has a plan for your life, the one that has made everything that we see, got into the dirt for you, for me. See, why is this important? Why, right? That's always a question. Why is this important? And it's this. If you're taking notes, it's only one, it's one point. Usually I have like three or five. I got one, and it's this. Because love can be measured by distance traveled. That love could be measured by distance traveled. See, my wife and I, um, before we started dating, I knew that I was going to marry her. I did. She didn't know it yet, but I did for sure. There would be like little moments and, and stuff where I'd try to be in the same place as her at the same time and, you know, stalker type stuff, but it, was, it worked. It's fine. We married. If I, we didn't marry, it would be creepy, but we married, so it's fine. It's great. But I remember this one time when, when we were engaged, I got a job down in Orange County. We were 60 miles away. And what happened is that, like, going from Orange County and she was up here, traffic sucks. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but it's not fun. And going from Orange County on a Friday night at 3 o'clock from Orange County to up here could take three hours. And there's a couple times where, where we were engaged and, and I would make that drive two or three times a week because we had a wedding to plan and I wanted to see her and we wanted to hang out. But during the whole entire time, I was like, I wasn't going like, man, she, ugh, she better understand what I'm doing for her. I'm sitting in this traffic for her. She better recognize what she's hap what's happening, what she gets to see when she walks, when I walk in that door after sitting in the car for three hours. No, I wasn't doing that. I, I, was, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about how long the drive was. I didn't even think about how far I had to go. Why? 
Because love could be measured by distance traveled. I'd be, you'd be willing to travel as far as you can for something that you love. This is how much God loves you. I think this is the part, like the, the part that I'm trying to, to recognize. Like I, I wasn't complaining about the drives because what I was actually thinking about was, <laughs> I hope she holds my hand. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I hope that we get a cuddle. You know, like hope she gives me a note. Man, how right? Like that's what that's what love could be measured by distance travel. And if you think about it, we have a God who left perfection who left heaven to get his knees dirty on this earth for us. Amen? Amen. He didn't just travel from L.A. to San Diego. He didn't just travel from, from state to state. He left perfection to this earth to get his dirty knees for us. That you're not dirty, you're loved. You're not a failure, you're loved. You're not a fool. You're loved. You're not the mean things that people say about you. You're who he says you are, and he says you're loved. You're not a player. You're loved. You're not unfixable. You're not untrustworthy. You're loved. Because I know this because love could be measured by distance traveled. That religion loves to point out the dirt, but Jesus gets into the dirt. Not only that, religion likes to throw stones. Jesus loves to save. Some people believe that it is their job to be the police. It is their job to point out the right and the wrongs and stand on behalf of God's order and stone enough people so that God will be happy. That's why the religious people, they love to hold rocks over the busted. They love to hold rocks over the people who are sinning. They love to hold rocks over the people who have failures. But Jesus is different. Because where religion came to stone, Jesus came to save. See, John 3, 16 and 17. John 3, 16, you know the verse. You've heard it. It's at football games. It's under Tim Tebow's eye, right? You know that verse. But I love the verse along, when you read John 3, 16, along with John 3, 17, it, it's a really, it's one of the most powerful com combination of verses, I think. Because this is why Jesus came. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the, his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So that Jesus, Jesus didn't leave perfection to come on earth and live a perfect life and to, to tor be tortured on a cross so that he could go, ha, 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 look at the life that I lived. It was perfect. Look at all the stuff that you've done. He didn't do that. That's not why he came. He came and did all that and experienced all that so that you could be saved. See, religion stones Jesus saves. See, how do I know that? When I look at this story in John 8, this is exactly what Jesus does. This is what he does. The law said that she needed to pay the price. 
The law said that she needed to die. And there's people ready to make that happen right then and there. But what does Jesus do? He gets down into the dirt. And he just starts to scribble. Anyone want to, like, wondered what he wrote? Right? Like, what did he write? If there was ever a moment where there's a basic white girl with a mocha and a selfie stick, this would be the moment. Because you know they'd be taking Jesus in the dirt. Hashtag bless. Chink. Right? It's just like, that's what would happen. This is like the most, one of the most theological, like theologically uh, questioned things that people debate. Like, who knows what he wrote in the dirt? I don't think, I don't think Jesus, he didn't want us to know. Otherwise, I would have said. I think the whole thing is that we, the whole point of it is that he wanted us to see that he left heaven to get his knees dirty to save. Because he gets down into this dirt with this woman. And people start to go away one by one. That religion loves the stone, Jesus came to save. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. He wants to save. He wants to bring life. I believe that's what he wants to do in this valley. I believe that he wants to do through this church. See, last thing, then we're done. The best part of this picture that we see with this story is that religion says that you have to work to get to God's love. That the reason these Pharisees went through this whole thing is because they had a fundamental philosophy saying that if you do the right things at the right time and you don't do the right things at the right time, then you get to avoid all the wrong things, you're good. But this is something that we can learn from the story. It's up on the screen. Is that religion says that if you work enough, then you could get to God's love. But Jesus says you're loved. Work from that. I think that's one of the biggest difference that we get to see when we look at Jesus. That people, that religion says, hey, if you work hard enough, if you work long enough, if you do all the right things, then you could get to God's love. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're loved first. Now let's begin to work from there. That this woman didn't have to change anything before Jesus loved her. That, that she was caught. That she was exposed. Dragged out for all to see. But Jesus loved her first. He interacted with her first. Jesus had already shown her love. He's shown her love first. And then he said, go and sin no more. Go and leave your life of sin. That you are loved first by me. Now go and work from that new found viewpoint. Now listen to me because I don't want you to understand that God loves us so much that he's willing to get into the dirt. He's willing to meet us where we are at. But I know he does love us enough to not let us stay that way. I know that he does love us enough to urge us and to push us. And as we pursue him, that we are seeking after him and we become more and more and more like him. See now, because now what we understand is that we're now loved by God. We're held by God. We're approved by God. So now let's step into the freedom that he and he alone could bring into the things that he has commanded us to do. Amen. That's what he does. That's the difference. So you want to, you want to be transformed into an angry person, into a loving person? Experience the love of God first. And let him transform your life. If you want to turn from a greedy person into a generous person, experience the love of God first. Allow him to transform you. And then walk into the freedom that he brings.
See, I'm sorry if, um, you know, in this room, that there's anyone like me who has said something or done something or acted on something that, that gave you a negative view on Jesus. Because a lot of people, truth is, I don't know what you walked into these doors with. I don't know what heavy burden you feel on the shoulders when you walk into a place like this. I don't know what stage of life that you're at. That Jesus doesn't just stand over us and with a rock saying, hey, here we go. I'm going to point this out. This is wrong. I'm ready to take you out. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say that you have to work or, or hustle any to, to earn his love. That, but what he does is that he gets into the dirt. You experience his love. And then transformation comes from that. Because when you experience God's real, God's forgiving, God's life-saving love that comes from him and from him alone, it doesn't only just save your life. It doesn't only just transform your life but it introduces you to real life. Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, that you are a God who left perfection, who traveled from heaven to earth to get your your knees dirty for us. God, we thank you that you are a God who, who is not like this crazy reality show of just the whole thing's about exposing our sins, God. That you're there to point at us and say, do this, 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 and this. But God, that you are a God who is so loving, so caring, that you would get your knees dirty for us. God, that we could know that your love that love could be measured by distance traveled. And God, you left perfection to come here on earth, to die on a cross for us. God, so we don't have to feel the guilt or the shame. God, we don't have to feel the, the weight. God, so we don't have to walk around with, with all of that, God, but that we could step into freedom because of what you did. God, we know that we don't have to work for your love. God, we know that we, it's not uh, what we do and how good we do it, but God, that we are loved first. That's our identity. God, that that's who we are at the core of when we realize that we are in you. God, we are loved by you first. Now let us step into freedom and in what you commanded us then. God, I pray for anyone in this room here tonight. God, if they feel that way, they feel the, the shame, they feel that guilt, they feel that they've been pointed at, they feel like they've been outed, God, I pray that they realize that's not Jesus. God, that tonight they could experience your true love, your true forgiveness, and God, ultimately true life that only you and you could bring. God, thank you for being a God who would be willing to get his knees dirty for us. God, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.